well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you've joined us on the program today. Uh, Yes, indeed, we are talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. It has gone to the jury. Uh, So, kind of in this weird spot where, you know, I I, I can't really offer any predictions about what's going to happen because by the time you see this, who knows? Jury might have come in with a verdict. But there are some issues that we need to discuss. I wrote about a couple of them at Bearing Arms yesterday, but... (laughs) There was just a plethora of things that I would have objected to had I been uh, Kyle Rittenhouse as a defense attorney, Uh, and a plethora of things that uh, gun owners have been objecting to, uh, really, over the course of this trial, uh, which fundamentally should be about whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense or not. Fundamentally, right? I I mean, that's what we should be discussing here. But over the course of the past couple of weeks, it's became it's become clear that there is uh, an attempt to go after self-defense itself. Dana Lash had mentioned this on uh, Tucker on Monday night. But not only did the prosecution put self-defense on trial, they misled the jury uh, about the law of self-defense in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and frankly, uh, they laid out a, a theory of self-defense that requires you to be beaten before you can respond. I mean, I, and I'm not making that up. This was from James Krause during the rebuttal argument on Monday evening. The uh, last thing that the jury heard uh, before the judge instructed them on, on uh, you know, what they had to do when they're reaching this decision. Everybody takes a beating now and then, arguing that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse should not have fired at Joseph Rosenbaum as Rosenbaum was lunging at him, but that he should have let Rosenbaum tackle him to the ground and and maybe beat the crap out of him uh, in the hopes, I guess, or in the assumption that uh, that's all Rosenbaum wanted to do was give him a beating and, you know, Everybody takes a beating now and then. Yeah. Prosecution argued that, in essence, you when you bring a gun, when you are carrying a firearm around for self-defense, not because you hope to use it, not because you even expect to use it, but because you are concerned that you may have to use a firearm to protect yourself. Prosecution says, in essence, when you do that, I mean, you kind of give up your right of self-defense. Another uh, comment from James Cross, he was too cowardly to use his fists. Yep. Again, I mean, hand in hand with uh, everybody takes a beating. You know, nothing really serious going on here. Rittenhouse didn't have to shoot Joseph Rosenbaum. He could have just let Rosenbaum tackle him. He could have had a you know fist of cuffs on the ground. You, you don't bring a gun to a fist fight. That's what the prosecution said. Yeah. But that's not ultimately what the jury is going to have to consider here, whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse should have used his fist or his feet or even maybe the butt of his rifle to bash Joseph Rosenbaum in the face, which according to the prosecutor, that would have been fine. That would have been fine. 
So the prosecution actually sort of acknowledges, yeah, yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse could have perceived a threat, a legitimate threat. But it wasn't a threat that Kyle Rittenhouse should have responded with with lethal force. Huh. Again, based on what we heard from the state's own witnesses, guys like Richard McGinnis of the Daily Caller, who testified that in the nanosecond, before Joseph Rosenbaum was shot, that he reached for Rittenhouse's gun, yelled, bleep you, and that is when Rittenhouse pulled the trigger. Should the standard really be, well, no, you've got to let yourself get tackled. You've got to let yourself get pummeled before you can act in self-defense. No, that's not what the standard should be. That's not what the standard is. That's not what the standard is in any any of the 50 states around the country, much less Wisconsin. As long as Kyle Rittenhouse had a reasonable fear that his life was in danger or that he was about to suffer great bodily harm, that he was legally entitled to use lethal force in self-defense, and the prosecution's case has changed over the course of the past two weeks. You know, and this was something that uh, Mark Richards brought up in his uh, closing arguments. That the prosecution never talked about provocation in their opening statement. Their opening statement was that Kyle Rittenhouse, they would show video, Kyle Rittenhouse chasing down Joseph Rosenbaum. Well, they didn't show that. So now I guess the prosecution's theory is, well, look, even if Rosenbaum was lying in wait for Kyle Rittenhouse, even if Kyle Rittenhouse did not provoke this attack, Kyle Rittenhouse did not have the the right to act in self-defense, lethal self-defense, because he could have just punched Joseph Rosenbaum. He didn't have to shoot him. Again, I don't know what the jury is going to do here, but... um, That's not how the law of self-defense works in the state of Wisconsin. Then we had um, one of the other issues that popped up yesterday. I did not have a chance to write uh, exclusively about this, but I do want to mention this. Thomas Binger, the uh, prosecution, uh, holding the uh, AR-15 used by Kyle Rittenhouse that night. Finger on the trigger. Yeah, a lot of gun owners uh, (laughs) viscerally reacted to this. Uh, Beckett Adams, this picture is giving me gun safety hives. Now, look, in the courtroom, the firearm was checked immediately before Thomas Binger grabbed the gun. Was it um, unconventional, shall we say? Yes. Very unconventional. Was it, uh, and I was listening to uh, Fox News this morning, Governor uh, Scott Walker said he, he thinks it might have actually backfired on the jury. They, they, he doesn't think that that went over well. Uh, was it unsafe gun handling? I mean, yes, technically, because you're not supposed to point a firearm, even one that you know is unloaded, at anything that you're not willing to destroy. Um, But then again, we saw a lot of uh, unconventional, and I would argue um, destructive behavior on the part of the prosecution throughout this entire trial. So I wasn't shocked to see Thomas Binger do this. Uh, and I wasn't shocked to see the left try to make hay out of the right's reaction either. This is Joanne Reed from, uh, Joy Ann Reed, rather, from uh, MSNBC. According to right-wing Twitter, it's outrageous for a prosecutor to point an unloaded AR-15 towards the jury to demonstrate how scary that firearm is, but totally cool 
for a teenager to point a loaded one at people and shoot them. And also, liberals are dumb, dumb to fear AR-15s. A lot to unpack there, isn't there? So let's start with the fact that um, you may or not may not think it's outrageous for a prosecutor to point an AR-15 towards a jury to try to um, get them to feel fear. You, you may not think that that's outrageous at all. But I would argue, how many times have you seen a prosecutor point a murder weapon at the jury during a murder trial? I mean, I can't remember that being done. And Thomas Binger's uh, closing argument, as I said at uh, Barry and Arms, uh, the, the, the closing arguments between uh, Thomas Binger and uh, Mark Richards, a study in contrast. I mean, Binger was hyper-emotional in his argument. Uh, Mark Richards was very gruff, uh, laying out the facts, and uh, really not trying to... In fact, I think, I think Mark Richards could have done a better job of trying to get the jury to empathize I think his closing argument could have been a little bit more emotional than it was. But again, pointing the gun that Kyle Rittenhouse used that night at the jury doesn't change any of the facts about this case, nor does it change, I believe, the burden of proof in this case, which lies with the prosecution to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Kyle Rittenhouse was not acting in self-defense that night. And again, I, I, my personal belief is that the uh, prosecution didn't do that. But again, I'm not on the jury. Then we had uh, progressive Pastor John Pavlovitz uh, also uh, focused on the uh, AR-15, saying, uh, wearing an AR-15 on your shoulder and claiming you were there to give first aid is like carrying a gas can and saying you'd come to put out a fire. Decent people can admit this. If you can't, that's a you problem. <laughs> this guy's a pastor? This guy's supposed to, like, counsel others? People are supposed to want to open themselves up to this guy? Good Lord. Yeah. So, as folks noted, um, Gage Groiskreutz was also armed that night. Was also there as a uh, ACLU observer and as a medic, right? But he had a gun. So is that different? Because it was a handgun and not an AR-15? Is it is it different because Gage Gorskowitz was carrying on an expired license as opposed to Kyle Rittenhouse, who was legally carrying his firearm? Do any of those things matter to the left? I don't think they do. Because it's not about Gage Gorskowitz, even though his behavior mirrored that of Kyle Rittenhouse in terms of carrying a firearm that night. Different kind of gun. Does it, does it matter? I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the left wanted to ban not just AR-15s, but handguns, too. Last time I checked, they're not really on board with the idea of gun ownership in general. So I, 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 I don't know from a pragmatic perspective what the difference would be. Somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse, who was carrying a rifle, was also carrying a first aid kit. You can see it strapped to his shoulder, too. Right. Rifle slung across one shoulder. The first aid kit slung across the older, uh, other shoulder. The strap sort of, you know, crossing in front and back. Yeah, none of that matters. Not to the left. Again, I wonder, honestly, how much any of the testimony has meant to uh, many of the folks on the left. And, and I'm sure the same can be said for some on the right as well, too. You go into these uh, uh, trials um, with the court of public opinion already largely decided. 
And, you know, as much as I might like to say, well, you know, I, I've kept an open mind throughout this uh, process. I'm sure that I brought my own bias to, to watching this trial and the coverage of this trial. I, I, I did go going in, believe that Kyle Rittenhouse had acted in self-defense, but I was prepared to listen to the weight of the evidence. I was prepared to accept that I was wrong if that's what the evidence showed. But I never got there. Just as there are a lot of folks on the left who may have claimed to be open-minded. Well, I, 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 I think that Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty, but I'm willing to hear what the uh, evidence shows who continue to insist that Rittenhouse is guilty. What's been interesting, though, is I, I have run across some folks. And I don't know if they're honest or not. I mean, you never know who's lying or who's being honest when they're saying stuff on the Internet. But I have run across a couple of people. I, uh, I have not been on Twitter as much. Um, I've actually been on the uh, the site Reddit in the Wisconsin subreddit. And I've been reading as I've been watching the trial. I've been reading through the uh, the, the the comments on the uh, the live thread um, because they have tried to limit the commentary to Wisconsin residents, which I thought was kind of interesting. And so I want to see the perspective. And there, I have actually run across a number of people who've said, "Look, I'm on the left. Um, I'm a progressive. I." either thought Kyle Rittenhouse was guilty and I've changed my mind over the course of this trial, or I've seen a couple of these too. Um, I think that Kyle Rittenhouse was not a hero. I think he did the wrong thing in going to Kenosha, but I also think the prosecution has not proved their case. I've seen a couple of those folks. I have yet to run across somebody who has said, you know what, going into this, I thought that Kyle Rittenhouse was innocent. I thought he was acting in self-defense. I've been persuaded by the prosecution otherwise. I'm not saying those folks aren't out there. I'm saying I haven't run into them. And now, of course, we get to deal with the aftermath of this trial. The protesters are already outside the courtroom. National Guard is on standby. And why is that? Who, who are we concerned is going to riot? Who are we concerned is going to protest in such a violent way that the National Guard needs to be on hand? What, 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 what side is going to be so angry and disappointed that there is fear that they're going to take to the streets? I mean, maybe the left would say it's both, but I have, I have a feeling they would argue that it's uh, probably the right. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think you're going to see riots on the streets of Kenosha if uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is convicted. I think there'll be a lot of anger. I think there'll be a lot of frustration. I think there'll be an appeal, but I don't think you're going to see a riot. And I would encourage folks. Now, I, again, I don't think you're going to see one, but I don't want to see one. That's not how we do things. Apparently, though, according to uh, Thomas Binger, how we do things, well, if there is a riot, you're just supposed to stay away, right? I, 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 even if businesses are burning down, just stay away. And God forbid you respond with a firearm in hand for self-defense. Because again, according to Bigger, you, you've basically lost your right of self-defense at that point. Right? And according to Thomas Bigger, if you do respond to a riot, if you do go down where a riot is taking place, where there is looting, where there is burning, where there is arson, well, don't step foot on the street. I mean, you might have a right to be there, but if the mob is telling you, stay on your property, you better listen to the mob. Right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's Binger's whole argument. If Kyle Rittenhouse had just listened to the mob, if he hadn't provoked people with his mere presence, well, none of this would have happened. 
I got to tell you, I don't think that that argument, <laughs> that, I, again, I don't think that argument actually has, is going to end up having a lot of bearing on the jury's decision because Kyle Rittenhouse did have a legal right to be there. He was not illegally possessing a firearm. You know, the curfew charge was dismissed. The uh, uh, gun possession charge was dismissed. So the whole argument that uh, Thomas Binger made throughout the trial, that Kyle Rittenhouse is this outsider, doesn't belong here, came in the nights of the riots because he just wanted to cause trouble. I don't think they presented any evidence backing that up. So I don't think that that argument is going to hold much sway with the jury. But in the court of public opinion, I think the left absolutely embraces that idea. And I was thinking about this as I was driving down to the studio today because, you know, I, I, I do my show from Farmville, Virginia, most of the time. I don't live in Farmville. In fact, I, I live about as far away from Farmville as Kyle Rittenhouse lives from Kenosha. Rittenhouse lived across the border in Antioch, Illinois, about 17 miles or so away from Kenosha. Uh, that, that's generally speaking about as far away as I live from Farmville. And I was thinking about this as I was driving down. I've got friends who own businesses here. I don't live in Farmville. I'm not a Farmville resident. I wouldn't consider myself an outsider. Thomas Binger might. James Krause might consider me an outsider, particularly if I were on trial for murder and they were prosecuting me, wanting to put me away for the rest of my life. Then they, yeah, I'm sure they would portray me as an outsider. But I don't feel like an outsider in Farmville, Virginia, and I don't believe that Kyle Rittenhouse felt like an outsider in Kenosha. But you take away all of those distractions. Kyle Rittenhouse was an outsider. Kyle Rittenhouse should have been there. Well, he had a right to be there. And now you're left with the question of, did he have a right to defend himself? Or was he provoked? Again, I, I know what uh, my beliefs are based on what the uh, witnesses had to say, based on the video and photographic evidence. But it's not my call. And I uh, just hope and pray that the jury does not let the fear of the mob cloud their judgment. And uh, we actually do see justice done here. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We will start there. Tyler, Texas, where a man has received eight years probation for shooting towards people in an apartment complex. It's from the uh, Tyler paper. Jonathan Calvin Mitchell, 46 years of age, pleaded guilty on Monday, sentenced to three counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon uh, for a shooting incident at an apartment complex back in June of this year. According to police, they were called out to the apartment complex about 7 p.m., on uh, June 11th, after Mitchell shot at people at an apartment complex in Tyler, no one was struck. Uh, after pleading guilty on Monday, Mitchell received eight years of deferred adjudication on each charge. And the sentences will be served at the same time, so eight years probation total. Uh, and the probation also gives the person the opportunity to have the conviction removed from the criminal record. Mitchell received 158 days credit for jail uh, a time that he spent uh, in a cell awaiting trial. That's a pretty sweetheart deal, especially considering the circumstances of this case. See, multiple people said that uh, Mitchell was drunk or high, intoxicated in some form or fashion 
when he was shooting at people. Police arrived. They also believed that he was intoxicated. When he was jailed, he was facing charges of public intoxication, resisting arrest, evading arrest. He wasn't indicted on any of those charges. According to Smith County Records, he was arrested twice in 2019 on charges related to driving while intoxicated. Well, I'll tell you what. Mr. Mitchell would appear to have a bit of a problem. And the criminal justice system would appear not to be too interested in doing anything about it. So I hope and I pray that Mr. Mitchell finds the strength within himself to try to turn his life around because he's going to have to do it on the streets. He's going to have to do it with all those temptations available to him. But um, if he doesn't, then I suppose the potential exists for him to actually do some prison time. I kind of doubt that's going to happen, even if he violates probation. I just, I know how the criminal justice system works. So, uh, yeah, a lucky day for Jonathan Calvin Mitchell down there in uh, Tyler, Texas. Today's Armed Citizen story from, uh, let's see, I believe this is Sedalia, Kansas, where a, a burglary suspect uh, shot by a homeowner. This was uh, just before dawn uh, last Wednesday. Commander David Woolery with the uh, Sedalia Police Department said the uh, male homeowner said he was woken up by his wife who said she thought that there was somebody in the house. So, male homeowner grabbed his firearm, went to try to find out what was going on, encountered somebody inside the home, 52-year-old uh, Daniel Schnack of uh, Sedalia to enter the home. Robert Oliver lives next door. He said he watches the neighbor's property when they're away. He said, I saw flashing lights through the window this morning when I got up and it was dark. He said, at first I thought it was an ambulance, but then I realized it was police cars. Moments earlier, the uh, homeowner had apparently begun uh, going through each room of the house. He confronted Schnack and demanded that he leave the home at gunpoint. Local authorities say uh, he ordered the suspect to leave. Suspect advanced on him. Homeowner backed up for a ways, continuing to order the suspect to leave, which the suspect did not, and the homeowner fired one round, striking the suspect. When officers arrived, they found the family safe. Suspect had fled at the back of the home and away from the scene. Uh, they actually soon found him at a local hospital, treating, uh, uh, getting treatment for a non-life-threatening gunshot wound. Uh, the Sedalia Democrat asked the homeowner's neighbor what, what he would have done if he'd been in the same situation. And he said, quote, same thing. He's got a wife and a child in there, two-year-old, maybe 18 months, I think. He said, you wake up in the middle of the night with somebody standing in your house coming towards you. What do you do? Well, according to Thomas Binger, uh, you run out of your house. I guess you leave your wife behind. Sorry, kid. I, I guess that's what you do. Maybe you take a beating. Maybe you see Mr. Schnack just wants to, you know, pummel you a little bit. I, I want you to pick up that gun to check out and see what, you know, if there's an intruder in your house. According to the prosecutors, now you're the aggressor. Yeah, even in your home, apparently. Well, police in Sedalia see it differently. They say that uh, they're not filing charges against the homeowner for, for uh, anything at this time. Quote, he did what he felt was right and what he needed to do to protect his family. With the Castle Doctrine, he was within his rights to do so. Today's uh, hero of the day from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is, uh, take a look at this picture real quick. For those of you who are listening on our uh, podcast platforms, I'll describe it to you. It's a car underwater. Uh, this was in Philadelphia, actually. You know, sometimes when we have our, our cars go into 
ditches stories. A lot of times they're Florida because a lot of those canals. No, not not this one. This was um, in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, I guess. Vehicle plunged into a creek, a woman inside. She had to climb into the back seat because the water was coming in. She ultimately had like a six-inch air pocket. Um, but Officer Mark Todd was driving by, and he actually saw what was going on. And he said, I dropped my duty gear. I went into the water. I did pretty much what I assume any other officer would do. I broke out the back window. Uh, he had basically that, you know, the, the little tool that you can use to break the glass. That's what he did. He said it was a race against time. Water's filling up the car. Woman's screaming for help. He said, I opened the door. The vehicle sinking as I was getting her out. Uh, during the rescue, Todd says the water was up to his chest. He said he could no longer stand. Water temperature, obviously. Very cold at that point, he said, but uh, my adrenaline was going. said, I didn't even feel the temperature, to be honest. But um, he's okay. Woman is okay. Car itself, um, well, the, the, the car was pulled from the water, but uh, I would call it a total loss. But you know what? Stuff can be replaced. People can't in the right place at the right time. We're unable to do the right thing. We... Uh, Give a big tip of the hat to Officer Todd there for jumping in those freezing waters and saving a woman's life. That's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, you like what you read at BearingArms.com, you can become a VIP subscriber. Just use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you'll get a significant discount. You'll also get uh, exclusive analysis, commentary, news stories you won't find anywhere else. If you uh, upgrade to a VIP gold membership, you're going to get all of that from every website in the Town Hall Media family. That would include uh, Hot Air, Twitchy, PJ Media, townhall.com, obviously, Red State. Uh, and you'll also get exclusive access to a VIP Gold live chat. We're going to be doing one with Hot Air's Ed Morrissey uh, on Wednesday afternoon. So again, check out barryandarms.com slash subscribe for more details. Thank you so much for your support. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs>